Vice, you dumbass! Welcome to episode 59 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Um, so here's the deal, guys. We were all set and ready to do a podcast last weekend, and John and I got up fresh and early on Sunday following daylight savings time. Here it comes. And yeah, two other guys just uh, didn't show up. The two college-age boys were out partying all night, and they just they didn't feel that you... The listener were important enough to podcast that morning. Listener, mm. I it may very well have been drinking. I don't know. Actually, I I had a friend drop into town that I haven't seen in three years, and he's yeah, only that's a friend what, that's night. What he so says, but... we stayed up till five. He showed me epic rap battles of history. You know, it was great. Oh, was that the night we played Sonic Kart? Well, that's every night lately, but I think it was before. Yeah, it was before he showed up. But yes. Anywho. And I'm uh, Stephen Myring, Taylor's on the boards. And I'm Derek Heemsberg and Embryon on the boards. Yes, the Rhythm Encounter is slowly trying to take over Random Encounter. Uh, we were going to have John here tonight, but apparently he sounds like Sonic, Solid Snake because he has some kind of, like, throat problem. And he just said, yeah. war, war never changes. If I, if, I had my, if I had my phone handy, I would uh, play the audio clip, but I cannot. And he was also supposed to talk about soul sacrifice. But, uh, yeah, since he's kind of sick, we can't talk about that. So that's why you see this, this episode title as Death Metal, because I was all ready for him to talk about soul sacrifice. And unfortunately, John is not here to talk about soul sacrifice. I can't do it again. <laughs> like, oh, so I can do it for you. Soul sacrifice. There we go. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Soul sacrifice. So, mm-hmm. all right. So what all do we have to talk about right now? Uh, This is kind of a freeform show because there haven't been any, like, huge, giant Megaton releases, which is kind of okay right now, but there there have been a couple of of games that have come out. So I want to know all about this uh, Etrian Autobrder, this game series that I have never even played before but has this reputation of being terribly hard. Derek, drop some knowledge on me on Etrian Odyssey 4. Well, I played one through three. You don't count. Or is your name Derek? Yeah, is did your name Derek? You? And did you play Etrian Odyssey 4? I played the demo for four hours. Uh, yeah, me too. And then I played the actual game. Well, Etrian Autobertabertaber is for the Ninturnderthurderse. Which, had, which is apparently the subject of patent fraud. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a few minutes. Yeah. Womp womp. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, we talked about it a bit on the previous episode, but Etrian Odyssey 4 is a first-person dungeon caller for the 3DS. It is quite predictably the fourth entry in the Etrian Odyssey series, uh, which, like Rob said, is known for being really hard. Uh, this entry actually has a cool casual option that basically just kind of weakens all of the enemies. And it makes it so that when you die in a dungeon, you uh, teleport back to town instead of getting a game over. So if you're the type that's been interested in the series based on the artwork or just the concept or anything, 
that you've been too afraid to get into it, Casual is your friend. Uh, I started on Casual with the demo, but I actually found it to be so easy it was boring. So I went back to normal, and even though I've been grinding my teeth at it, I'm still having a good time. Uh, I know that Kyle is playing it right now, too, and so is John, so unfortunately neither of them are here to talk about it, but uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it is by far the best Etrian Odyssey game. It's the most accessible for sure, and I don't know, it's cool. Uh, I like the... It's got new classes. It's kind of revitalized a couple of old ones, and most of the rest of them are new. And it's cool because I was actually texting Kyle earlier today about this. He was uh, asking me, or actually, I think I asked him, not that it matters, uh, how he was doing in it. And I told him I'm still stuck on the boss of Labyrinth 2, and he's in 4, apparently, which, I don't know. He got the game after me and then, like, doubled his pace. But it's cool because we have completely different party setups. And if you're unaware of how it works, basically, you start the game, you've got a... uh, you, You go to a little guild, and you just get to create custom characters right off the bat. It's not a game that has a really heavy story. It does have some story, but the main reason to play it is just to explore and beat bosses and kill dudes. So it's kind of oh, a strict. Ahead. It's kind of a strict dungeon crawler, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unlike but there is the, the cool ones, world map, a, though. Yeah, there's a world map now. Uh, Etrian Odyssey three had like a an ocean that you could sail around on a ship, but it was sort of a weird puzzle game almost, because every time you moved a square on the ship, like. You can only move so many squares before your ship had to go back to town. So you had to figure out how to navigate around whirlpools and do stuff like that. And I didn't really like it. Whereas Etrian Odyssey 4 has got like this cool world map where you sail on a skyship, which is like a, it's like a hot air balloon. And you just sail around and you can find little mini labyrinths that are outside of the, the main labyrinths. Because the main labyrinths are like several floors deep. And the, the hook of this game is that you draw the map on the touchscreen. So as you're making progress, you're, you know, you just go into this dungeon blind and you're, you get into random encounters and you have to map it out yourself. There's a whole bunch of little icons that you can use. You draw the floors, you draw the walls. And that's part of the fun is, is going into this labyrinth and not knowing what you're doing and very slowly making progress and and steady progress. And even if you die, you get to save your map data. So that's, that's cool. Um, Hmm. But a lot, of, a lot of the appeal is just going into the unknown, not knowing what you're doing, but figuring it out step by step. And it's, it's really got that spirit of adventure, I think. So that combined with the customization, like I was going to say before, you make your party. There's, there's several classes. I think there are like seven or eight. Or nine. Yeah, seven or eight to start, and then you unlock three more throughout the game. And you can make your party however you want. You could have five land schnecks if you want those are like the warriors but then you die uh but like i was saying me and kyle have different parties i have i have like a land schneck which is like a warrior fortress which is like a paladin dancer which is like a support regen slash follow-up attacker a medic which is a a medic and a rune master which is a mage i don't really know why i went into all that but kyle's got a different setup he's got like a sniper instead and night seeker instead of a warrior and they bind enemies but anyway it's a game that's really open to a lot of different play styles and it's it's as fun as you make it really because if you're the kind of person that really needs a heavy narrative to guide you and the idea of creating everything from scratch doesn't appeal to you you're probably not going to like the game but if you just approach it with an open mind and you're ready to go explore, then I think it's a blast. One thing I, I think is worth mentioning about this game is that every person I know that didn't like one through three likes this one. Yeah. Uh, Ashton didn't really care for the others, I think, and he is reviewing it for us. Or he, I don't he think he reviewed it. it. He did. Did, it already, did the review already get posted? Yeah. 
Okay, well, yeah. So he liked it, and then, you know, Derek, I, you like I it. Really, I didn't really like the pre- the previous three. I own one through three, and the farthest I got was in the third one. I got probably like six ish hours into it, and I just gave up because they're so punishing. But even this one, even playing on the normal difficulty, like the standard difficulty, it's just as hard battle wise. But I feel like it's a lot more accessible just in terms of like like this. A cool thing in this one is that every time you level up, you get skill points, which has been a recurring thing. But in this one, there are skill trees. So you, you can, can really see where you're going. You can like clearly map out. Yeah, your character's progress. And it makes sense. Like, oh, if you unlock, you know, power slash then and get that to level two, then a new thing unlocks that branches from power slash. You know what I mean? Instead of just like randomly allocating points. Yeah, and the uh, the music is awesome. As... The music is incredible. Yeah, I think we've gushed about that a ton, though, like on the Music of the Year podcast. And yeah, it. I I think I I played the demo and I liked it. It did feel a lot easier to me compared to the other three, which is kind of the opposite. It's what I really liked about the other ones is that it felt when you made progress, it was really rewarding. Alongside customizing your party, and it hasn't turned me off of the game because I still want to get it. But I have to admit, the demo, at first I was thrilled with, like, you know, how well-produced it is. And just, it's really a lot more polished than the others in terms of just its presentation. But it just, it really felt, that first dungeon they send you through felt kind of sleepy. Which is good, because, I mean, it's just a demo. But I think that's that's part of the reason why people are enjoying it more, is because the game doesn't drop you into a dungeon and then immediately kill you six times. Right, uh, which has been the case with the past ones. Yeah, uh, whereas... I guess I, I guess I just have a different taste for it. I, I hit that in the demo. I was like, oh, this is boring. Now I'm just hitting attack over and over again. And I have yeah, hit but once. I mean, even you just go down one floor and the challenge ramps right back up because the True. enemies on the next floor will, will stomp you. So and there's tons of optional stuff. Like if you even attempt to fight FOEs, which are like roaming boss monsters, if you try to fight those before you're supposed to, then you'll just get wiped. Also, you can get an RPG fan quest. You can. I think we, we teased that before, but yeah, if you check out the Etrian Odyssey 4 gallery on RPG Fan, we do have a special QR code that'll give you an exclusive quest. Uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't give you anything great, but it's fun, and it says RPG Fan in the game, so we're kind of excited about that. Yeah, and uh, name the NPC. <clears throat> yeah, there's an NPC, but that, that should be the reward. I wish I was an NPC. I would just be evil and make fun of games and be terrible. Do you have all the do you have all the character classes unlocked from the very beginning? No, yeah, there are three you unlock later. Okay, okay. I was just wondering because it sounded very like original Final Fantasy to me with you being able to kind of customize your character classes, which I thought was kind of cool. But I, I would also be terrified that I was doing something completely stupid. And I oh. end up I end up doing the same like one heavy hitter, one fast guy, a black mage, and a white mage. You can't really do it wrong in these games either because you can easily respec. Like, you lose one level and then you just respec and you get all your skill points back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you, this one, they've made it even easier to do that. Yeah, you can also get subclasses. You get to a certain point in the game and you can start putting a subclass on everyone. So there's like a whole other layer of strategy. Hmm. It's cool. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if the idea of a first person dungeon crawler sounds abysmal to you, then don't even try it. But. It's it's a really, really good entry point to the genre. I reviewed Unchained Blades last year for PSP, and that's also a first-person dungeon crawler, but I did not think that that was a good game to start with if you're new to the genre, whereas this one is, like, perfect. So give it a go. Clearly you have nothing to say, but... 
No, I just I I was yelling at my dog real quick, uh, so I muted myself. But also the just the not having a 3ds. Not. Yeah, well, maybe you should get one. I, yeah, seriously, I, Rob, don't go spend two hundred dollars on Nino Cooney special editions when you could buy a console. It was It was not two hundred dollars for the Nino Cooney special edition. It was like one hundred. It was oh, one hundred. Okay. Well, I paid that much for my Diablo three special edition, so. I know, I know, I know. I just, <sighs> I'm glad I own that special edition, though. I really am, because I like Mr. Drippy. And Mr. The wiz- Drippy is, like, the best part of the game, except he's just tidy too much. And the Wizards Companion, uh, apparently my fiancé does not realize I'm recording right now. And the uh, the Wizards Edition is also really, really awesome. I do love that that Wizards book. So, see, I'm, I'm happy on it. I'm very happy on it. Yep. But I think that about wraps up everything I have to say about Etrian Odyssey 4. Is good game... And you should play it if it sounds like it might be up your alley because it's a really, really good example of the kind of game it's trying to be. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so what else do we have to talk about? Um, should we give Derek a break and gush on Shadowrun Returns right now? Go right ahead. Oh, my God. So they released a 20-minute gameplay video for Shadowrun Returns, which was the Kickstarter game that... Uh, God, when was that funded? Was that like nine months ago? I can't even remember. It was a while back. It was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and spoiler alert, it looks like Shadowrun. Whole, but it is so, like, first off, the art style in it is awesome. It's got this real, like, painterly quality to it. It looks really cool. looks really hip. Um, it, it seems to be nailing that Shadowrun aesthetic, this cyberpunk dystopian future that also has magic and elves and trolls and all sorts of crazy crap. I, and, 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 it's got Jake Armitage. It does. And they were like, yeah, you might recognize him from that other awesome Shadowrun game. I am so freaking excited for this game. Like, it, it is... Oof. I, I just... This is exactly what I wanted. It, it, one thing that I found really interesting is it looks like they kind of ripped off the XCOM UI. Like, right down to how it, it denotes whether or not you have ammo in your gun. It has, like, the, the gun that's kind of, like, filled in, like, an energy bar. And so it depletes as you use rounds. It definitely seems like they're going for that kind of turn-based, hardcore strategy involved in placing your units and being able to attack people, which is really what I want. Like, I, I said before on an episode that that's what I want out of Dragon Age 3. Like, I want to have a really in-depth, almost turn-based combat system and not the complete real-time, oh my god, I can't even tell what's going on system that we've been seeing in so many games right now. So you're saying you want more 90s PC RPGs? Yes, but not so hard that they make my teeth hurt. Hello, Baldur's Gate. What? You know what? Alright, never mind. What? Yes. Baldur's Gate isn't that hard. Well, yeah, when you know how to play it. I, I am but a sprightly. Right, yeah. I'm but a sprightly young lad. I barely know my ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> I'm gonna get destroyed if I play that game. Well, playing as a wizard, you start out with a whopping six to ten HP, and you can take eight from a hit. So you, you are pretty squishy. But oh boy, yeah. I, I think I think what I really am happy about Shadowrun, and then recently with the Wasteland Two video, is just showing that people are funding these Kickstarters and it looks like they're going to get what they want out of it. Like, I mean, FTL was one of the first fun Kickstarter funded games to come out and that was and great. That was awesome. Yes. Yeah. So I think this is proof a, that there's a market for these kind of games and B that Kickstarter is going to put out some decent products. I mean, conversely, 
I've, I've been playing the Banner Saga a little bit, and I really like the strategy emphasis, and I love the art, but the multiplayer really rubs me the wrong way, because here they are. Uh, the Banner Saga was kickstarted, wasn't it? I'm not sure if that was kickstarted, but I, I kind of did want to talk about the Banner Saga, so I'm going to allow this. Well, uh, what really bugs me about it is that... <clears throat> excuse me. I, I th- I'm pretty sure it was kickstarted, but <clears throat> you have this multiplayer mode where you need renown to do anything, to rename your characters, to level up, to hire new characters, to get more powerful. And that's all well and good, but they've structured it like a free-to-play game where it takes 50 renown to do a certain task, like a basic task, and you get like eight from a fight. Like I got, I think, I won a fight, like a huge, I, I just steamrolled this guy, and I got like 15. And that fight took almost 45 minutes mm-hmm. because of latency on the server and just like, the other guy, I think, was maybe learning how to play, too. So I really like the idea of it, and I think as a single-player campaign, I'll really enjoy it. But I don't like the multiplayer because it's really structured. In, it's like the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer where, oh, yeah, sure, all this content is free. It's just you'll have to play for 800 hours to unlock any of it because, right. you know, this and that. It's the free-to-play model, and I I agree with you. I was kind of... The Banner Saga, to just go back a brief step, the Banner Saga is a strategy RPG that's being made by some ex-Bioware guys. It's got kind of like a Norse or Viking mythology-style look to it. You place characters on the screen, you're moving them around, very Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy Tactics. It looks like Dragon's Lair. Yeah, it's got that that old school nineteen eighties style animation, which I I really love. I, I think yeah, the animation looks, looks great. great. It looks uh, really cool. But I agree with you. Like there there's been a real backlash against this game because it is in that free to play model, but since those numbers directly dictate how powerful your characters are and what you can do in, in combat, and the people that are dropping C notes on and getting money well, yeah, well, that's kind of impacting things a little bit. What well, what really burns me is that they they got kickstarted. This is sort of my opposite thing. I, I just looked it up. They did get kickstarted, so it's like I don't understand how you're going to. I mean, maybe they justified this in their Kickstarter because I didn't I didn't donate to this game. But how are you going to run a Kickstarter and ask people to crowdfund and then charge them and then put this kind of a structure in your multiplayer? Like Path of Exile has, is free to play, but. Path of Exile, what you can buy is almost totally cosmetic. The game is 100% playable and doesn't require grinding beyond what you want to do in a game of that genre. Whereas it felt like in the Banner Saga, unless I wanted to donate hours of my life to just fighting endlessly, I couldn't customize my party. So the first six fights I had, I was fighting other people who had the exact same party as me. Well, I mean, I think the market... (sighs) I come back to this over and over again, and I don't mean to put it on the consumer that much, but it really comes down to what is the market willing to accept? And we talked a little bit before we started recording. Like, I am not willing to accept uh, another $10 to get the epilogue to Dead Space 3. So I'm not going to contribute to that. I am not going to accept uh, another Assassin's Creed so so close after the last one, after the disaster that was Assassin's Creed 3. So I'm not buying the next one. And, I, while, and while I agree with you on that, unfortunately, Assassin's Creed 3 sold like a bazillion copies and it has a Metacritic of above 85. So that's exactly the market dictates right there. You, you and I may not like Assassin's Creed 3 and may think it's a lot of, you know, half ham-handed concepts to shoehorn together but with you know with banner saga if they weren't 
you know, if they weren't successful with this kind of model, they wouldn't do it. So no, it's true. I just don't have any desire to take part in the Banner Saga's multiplayer because it is dictated by who's got the credit card resources to make their party amazing. And I just or I, a lot a lot of time. Which, yeah, or a lot of time. And there's you a know, difference between spending a lot of time grinding and something that's built to take a lot of time so you're encouraged to buy it instead. Right. That's why I enjoy like StarCraft because, you know, there's no grinding in StarCraft. You're playing StarCraft and guess what? When I play Steven in StarCraft, it's going to be the exact same start of every game. It's not like he spent 50 bucks or something and suddenly his zerglings are faster. It's nothing like that. And I think the I think the gamer, the consumer has to be the one that's willing to say no and show these companies that we're not going to buy into this sort of thing. But the problem is that a lot of people, people are willing buy, to buy into it. People are willing to buy into it, and I think you you get what you pay for. Uh, and you're going to get things like $15 Citadel DLC if you're willing to pay $15 for it. And me, personally, I'm not. So I'm not, I, not trying to see a news story there, Derek. I'm, I'm sorry. It's all good. Well, I, I think you really just – the price – like, yeah, like you said, pricing is dictated by what people are willing to pay. You know, the – this isn't an RPG, but Call of Duty came out. The DLC came out. We all said, wow, that's way too expensive. And then it sold millions of copies. So whether or not we think it's too expensive, somebody else didn't. Enough people didn't that that's where it's going. Right, right. So I'll be playing the Banner Saga when it comes out. I'll play the single player. I'm kind of intrigued by it. I want to see what kind of upgrade structure they have in the game. I want to see how it plays out. Apparently they're saying it's going to be a trilogy. It's going to be a collection of games. This could be really cool, but... The multiplayer immediately turned me off. I, I was like, oh, this is kind of like playing chess online, except I can pay for more bishops. <laughs> you could pay for, you could, yeah, you could pay for a queen. Or you yeah. could spend 60 years becoming a queen. Wow, that sounded <laughs> really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that Sounds worked like out. your life ambition right there. That, 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 is the, that is the second podcast in a row I've made a, a cross-dressing reference. I just watched The Birdcage again the other day, and I, <laughs> I, I adore that movie. So I, I am okay with that, Stephen. Thank you. I, I, I don't have that excuse, but that is a good movie. Oh, that is a really, really good movie. Okay, so, yeah, Banner Saga, definitely interesting. Uh, to back up again, if you want to see where Shadowrun is going, they're still taking pre-orders for the game. Uh, they're actually doing a $5 discount if you want to pre-order it now. It supposedly comes out at the beginning of the summer. So I I picked it up on pre-order after watching that video. I was... Okay. I was blown away by what I'd seen. It looks like they're already talking about another campaign. So there's going to be a Seattle campaign. They're talking about a Berlin campaign after the fact. They're giving you the tools. Mod that tools. They, yeah, the mod tools. So you'll be able to make your own game. Like, man, that is a lot it's of content every, for 15 it's, bucks. It's a world I find more interesting than Neverwinter with the Neverwinter-style tool set. And I love that. Neverwinter Nights, not the new MMO. Yeah. I don't know how that is yet. Did you? I can't get to the beta. Did you guys play the Sega Genesis version of Shadowrun or the Super Nintendo or both? All right, hold up. The Sega Neither. Genesis one, was that the point-and-click one, like where you, you could switch the cursor to a crosshair and shoot your gun? No, no, no. That was, uh, that was um, Super Nintendo. Okay, because I, I played the one where you played as Jake Armitage. and That was Super Nintendo. Yeah, that one was that's, – that's my only experience with Shadowrun, that and the really weird shooter that wasn't that bad, but it was $60 for no maps. You, but, you should play the Sega Genesis one. The Sega Genesis one is a little bit more straight RPG, uh, 
kind of has an open mission structure where you can go around and pick up side quests and complete things where the, I, I agree with you. The super Nintendo version had like some point and click adventure stuff, which I thought was really, really cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I really like that. But the, the Sega Genesis version is like its own little self-contained RPG. Derek, have you played either of these games? Uh, unfortunately no i haven't oh dude you're missing out they're really really and i think they've held up very very well like i i picked up uh shadow run on sega genesis maybe like seven years ago and i busted out my old genesis seven years ago okay so that was what 2005 i managed to crack it down or 2006 that's not too bad no well you said you said recently i just that's recent when When i hear recent i don't hear seven years you get close to 30 time starts going a little bit faster okay so recent becomes a relative term Jerk. Fair enough. Uh, but I picked it up and I threw it into my Genesis, and I, I still remember the code that lets you get like infinite karma, so like A B B A C A B, and I would do that over and over again to make an Uber character and just. Yeah, have well, I remember the unlimited money cheat in SimCity 2000. It's bottomless. Oh yeah, but how about that new SimCity? How's that working? Oh, wow. we can't go there. It's not an RPG. Yeah, no. Ooh, yeah, I don't. I don't. But, feel... plus, you're, you're playing a role. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was gonna I'm say sorry, we, I had to. I was gonna say we can't go there. It's not an RPG. But then again, even if it were, nobody can go there. All right, we're getting off topic. Anyways, um, Shadow Sony Run. recently, Sony recently gave away Wild Arms One um, for free. I don't. I think it might still be free. I don't know. It may have ended on the eleventh, but um, I downloaded it because Wild Arms One is one of my favorite RPGs and. I am actually shocked with how well it held up. For me, it has held up pretty amazingly well. I'm playing it. You know, the, the polygons and the battles are goofy looking, but, <laughs> um, you know, the, the characters are made of like five polygons. Are there, are there enough polygons for you to feel any emotion, though? No, not quite. Emotion, emotion, emotion. Polygons, but, emotion, Willem Dafoe polygons. I, I, I was writing on Twitter while I was playing it. Just there's something about the game that just it. it really seems like there's kind of charm missing from a lot of modern jrpgs for me that wild arms has so i i really you know maybe it's nostalgia maybe it's i don't know what it is but when i'm playing it i'm going yeah this is why i don't enjoy modern jrpgs because it's become this kind of treadmill of i don't know go fight a battle level up okay build up fight some more battles fight more battles fight more battles you don't care about anything that's going on also tons of fan service that's not Mm -hmm. every jrpg but not every jrpg but yeah no yeah definitely not every jrpg but, you know, I'm playing it, and I'm like, you know, the music, obviously the music, why wouldn't I mention that? But, I don't know, it just, something about it, man. I've kind of been playing another old school RPG. Uh, I think now's a good time to talk about it, because I, I think we may do a retro episode about it next week. But uh, I did start Digital Devil Saga, and I'm about 10 hours into the... F- Thank you. About no. t- 10 hours into the first game... And I really do like it, uh, just just very briefly. This is part of the Shin Megami Tensei series. It's kind of a side story, kind of taking place in this, I guess you would say, post-apocalyptic, because I'm not an idiot. So I guess you would say it's a post-apocalyptic future with uh, people that are turning into demons and eating each other, which mm-hmm. is kind of delightfully awesome right there. It's like uh, a sale at the department store. <laughs> what? It's a sale, so you got to go eat everybody. Yeah, you go freak out. And oh my god, we're having people. a fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, Steven. Jeez. Sorry, I was quoting Arrested Development. Oh. So, um, 
So I start playing it, and it's very much in that old-school SMT design. It's really based around exploiting monster weaknesses and getting extra turns. And I do really like it, but I'm reaching that impasse of either I finish it or I stop, kind of what happened to me with Nocturne, where it's not doing anything inherently wrong. Um, I do want to talk on the next episode a little bit about the, the nature of the SMT battle system, where it's like you kind of need to know what you're getting into when you go into a boss battle and you might get wrecked the first time and then it's, oh, okay, I need to have this, that, and the other thing. Okay, cool. Now I can go beat him. I don't know how much I like that in this day and age, but it, it does add an element of strategy to it, which I do I do also see and I like. But I'm reaching this point where I'm playing this game and I'm going, all right, this is basically dungeon, battle, 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 boss, a little bit of story, dungeon, battle, 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 boss. It's very old school, and that's cool, but, like... I, I think... Sorry, I, I don't want to cut off your thought, but I, I agree with you. I think Nocturne and Digital Devil Saga both were very much in that vein of... It's an old school, SNES style, go into a dungeon and kill people, all right, come back, talk to people for a bit, all right, now go back to another dungeon. You know, it definitely has that sort of paradigm. Which, really. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, uh, I, I do like old school dungeon crawlers, Um uh, and I do like when these uh, SMT games, they do some interesting stuff with the dungeons. I just got to the Two Princes dungeon, so I'm kind of like solving little tiny puzzles. And that's enough to keep me like, okay, I'm, I'm still interested. I'm not literally walking down a hallway right now. I am actually doing some light interaction elements. Just wait till later. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, seriously. No, it's a good thing. A good thing? Okay, okay. Well, I, I, thought, that... I got a bad thing there when you said it, so I was like... Well, here. that depends on how you feel. The dungeons become very complex very quickly like nocturne's final dungeon that sort of thing okay i'm okay with that um and, and again that's that's part of my the exploration part of uh of me playing video games take a drink because rob just said uh something about world building uh anywho i i really really like that but i, I said it before we started recording i feel like persona broke or persona 3 and especially persona 4 they broke the traditional jrpg for me like i i can't I can enjoy the the traditional JRPG, but I, it's like it's broken. Like I, I'm sitting there going, like, okay, where's the other? Where's the peanut butter? Where where's the peanut butter to this game's chocolate? Like, where's the other thing to keep me interested? To keep me invested? Oh wait, there's nothing. Oh, see, that's the thing though. I wouldn't say there's nothing. It's just the character. I, I, I said it earlier. Persona Four rewards you for every action you do outright. Everything you do somehow ties back together. If you kill a secret boss, you get extra courage. That helps you in the social sim. You do well in the social sim, you build up your, your S-Links, you can make better persona that helps you in combat. It's like everything bounces back and forth, and every task you do in some way facilitates those things. Whereas with uh, you know, Nocturne or Digital Devil Saga, the story sequences are isolated from the dungeon sequences. And I, I don't mind that because, again, Digital Devil Saga 2 is one of my favorite games ever because the story is so fantastic. But there definitely is... You know, it can get exhausting, I think, after a while, because it's, you know, especially in 2, the last two dungeons in Digital Devil Saga 2 are really difficult, and the final oh, dungeon yeah. in 2 is really long. Like, I sat down at the beginning of a day when I was first playing Digital Devil Saga 2, and the final dungeon took me all day. Like, I mean, I was going through it nonstop, and it was tough, too. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'm wandering, it's no big deal. It's like every fight is like a fight for your life. Right, I, I think... I, there's nothing wrong with that traditional JRPG and the, the dungeon crawler, but I really like 
in Persona, the fact that I come out of the dungeon, and like you're saying, Stephen, you're interacting with other characters, you have other things going on. I like that about the new XCOM, because I feel like I feel like I always come back to Persona with this, so I want to use another example. So, like, I really like an XCOM where I go to the base building portion, even though the base building in the new XCOM is kind of like very, very um, rote. There's not a whole lot to it. At least it's something to pull me away from the combat and screw around with other components that then affect the combat. I think that the Western RPG and like Mass Effect has done a really good job of having these conversation systems to varying levels. I mean, you can't you can't always say that the, that the conversation system is allowing you to do everything you want, but that's adding another element on top of it. And I, I would extend this as far as even some of my favorite video game series. I'm getting tired of the only way that I interact with a video game is the combat, like, or watching a cutscene. I want there to be, like, a strategy component. And I think Digital Devil Saga does a very good job with that because the, the skill progression in the first game is very unique, and I like the fact that it, I'm not going around talking to monsters like, do you like scrambled eggs? I love scrambled eggs. Well, <laughs> well I don't, no, I don't like them. Well, no, I don't like scrambled eggs anymore. Brah, attack. Like, because you, you, have a, you have an actual party in the game and you develop the skills from your party members, that adds a little bit of that peanut butter that I'm looking for. That adds to the character development portion that I really like. But, and I, I think Xenoblade was another game to really do this well, where everything around the game is built into helping every other facet of the game. And I feel like this is something that the JRPG really needs to embrace. Because, you know, I, I don't want to talk about the game that should not be mentioned, but with that 13th installment of a famous franchise the only way i have to interact with this game is the combat like give me a freaking dating sim let me date saws for god's sake or something you know give me give me some other level of interaction with the game besides watch a cutscene or hammer on the x button in combat not saying that that's all you do in that game but you get what i'm saying i want to have interaction with the game i want to interact with it even a meaningful crafting system can help me with that and so I think that the the Digital Devil Saga, to bring me back to my point, I think the Digital Devil Saga character development is what's keeping me interested because I really like when I when I learn a new mantra and I'm like, <laughs> oh, you guys are in for it now. Like, no, that's, I, yeah. I, I really like the skill progression in the game and that's keeping me interested. But I do – I keep going back to Persona and how that game just never got boring. I put like 80 hours into that game. And it just never got boring because it had that chocolate and peanut butter. And I'm not saying that every RPG needs to have a dating sim. Don't get me wrong. I think there's other ways of interacting with these games. But I think developers should embrace the idea of finding different elements for the player to interact with the game rather than just combat or cutscene. No, I, I agree with that. I think I, I was talking to Derek about Persona 4 and I, I kept saying, I go, God, I stayed up two nights in a row till 5 a.m. when I had class at 10. Because I'm like, all right, I'll just do one more day, just one more day. And I was like, oh, God, it's Civ all over again. You know, because it's like, all right, well, no, now i got to cut scene with this character. Oh, wait, now I can – if I do this one more, I'll raise my courage to the next level. Or, oh, wait, now, now I'm going to go to the dungeon. And there were times, yeah, where I'd be playing Digital Devil Saga and I'd finish a long dungeon. And I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, i got to take a break. I'm just – you know, that was, that was exhausting. And whereas with Persona, it's like, all right, I'm done with this part of the dungeon. I leave. And then all of a sudden, it's like I get to just, you know, enjoy the characters for a while, which – that's another strength of Persona is if Persona had stupid characters, it wouldn't matter. But everybody you meet is in some way interesting. So also I'm dating Chie, but that's neither here nor there. You know, everyone else's levels are like two or three. Chie's was maxed out. So 
you know, you, you have that. I agree. It's like you, you can stop and do something else that is not, but it's not like it's totally disconnected from what you're going to be doing when you go back to the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's variety. I think that's a pretty keen observation, Rob. I agree with you completely. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's the other reason I'm excited for Shadowrun is because they, they have a deep dialogue system and it's affected by your skill use. The The best moments for me in Skyrim were when I weren't in combat. When I weren't in combat. When I wasn't in combat, uh, I, I done did read good, children. The best moments mm-hmm. for me. And you're stuff. a teacher. And I'm a teacher, too. <laughs> he teaches physics, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't have time for the big words and the small, I've, difficult I've met words. plenty of math teachers that cost me spelling bees. <laughs> But the uh, wow, that made me sound like a big nerd. Yeah, it, it really was. A, did. It was. It was a drunk spelling bee. Okay, uh, fair enough. Thank you for. for I sharing. did one of those too. Uh, but <laughs> Sorry, Sky- got to PG thirteen here. The best moments for me in Skyrim were when I were. I almost did it again <laughs> when I was walking around and like doing the missions where I was investigating, and those were the really cool moments. And again, that that's adding a layer of interaction with the game fleshing out the world and making me feel like a bigger part of it than just a combat participant i actually think nino kuni was doing some things in the right direction like i liked walking around towns and nino kuni and talking to people and i i think that's what was keeping me somewhat engaged with that game so yeah jrpg developers or rpg developers in general it's not just jrpgs don't be afraid to allow me to interact with characters. I, some of the best moments in Witcher 2 are when you're just at the bar hanging out with your friends. Like, those those are really cool moments, and I think we need to embrace those and get away. Like, there's room for dungeon crawlers. There's nothing wrong with that tree and Odyssey. That's great if that's what you want, but I do want to see more areas of interaction in the RPG. Let me interact with the, with the game in more ways. I, I'm looking at Radiant Historia, and that game's looking at me like, I let you do that, and you didn't love me. Yeah, Radiant Historia. You know what, though? I love Radiant Historia. It's one of my favorite like, recent JRPGs. But even I'll admit, the combat system can be a little tedious in, in Radiant Historia. It takes a while, and I, it doesn't hook me. But I love the story and the music and everything else, so I can play through it. You know, it's, it's not like it's intolerable. It's, just, it's, it's a pretty Spartan combat system. It's like, all right, knock people around, and then... It's cool at first, and then after a while, it's like, all right, if I want any fight to not last five minutes, I have to knock everybody into one square. Yeah, it was a really cool idea for a combat system. And, and meanwhile, I, I was listening back to an old podcast when we when I first talked about Digital Devil Saga, and I said that the combat system was slow, and I don't know what the hell I was drinking because that combat system is fast as hell. In DDS? Like, oh, man. Yeah, it's super fast. Like I, I say to this day that the, the engine they've built, Nocturne, Persona and Dill Della Saga on is my favorite turn-based combat engine ever because I love the you're rewarded for finding weaknesses. It's it's incredibly balanced in that you can die just as easily as the bosses can and anybody else can, which can be frustrating. But it's fast, everything hits so freaking hard. Like it just it it feels you could make the argument that then you spend a lot of time in menus. Like it feels like after every fight, I'm going into a menu and casting Medea. I don't even know if it's pronounced Medea, but I just think it's awesome to, yeah. to say that I'm casting Medea on myself over Medina Medea's whole wedding, whatever. Like Tyler Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I think of what? every time I Tyler Perry movies. Medea goes to jail and that sort of stuff. Am yeah. I the only one that thinks that when I'm playing a Shin Megami Tensei game? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, 
And I, I do feel like I go to the menus after every battle. I still look at Chrono Cross and I go, why can't people do that type of system where it's just like use MP to heal everybody after a battle? Go for it. Oh, man. Yeah, that's – yeah. <laughs> Please. Sorry, I just heard Chrono Cross and it brought me back to Earth. That needs to be standard. That that would help out with, with the game quite a bit. Um, and, and I do agree with you, Steven. I love the strategic battle system. I think that in terms of the, the difficulty and the friendliness of these systems, I think Persona is the most friendly SMT game, uh, as long as you're not playing it on hard, because you know, you're not crazy. Uh, and then I think Digital Devil Saga is, is a pretty medium difficulty. Like You'll run into a tough battle, but a little bit of grinding, you can do it. And then Nocturne was just crazy. Nocturne was just like you run into a battle and you're like, wow, I died in one turn. That's They also do that stupid thing in Nocturne where you, you can't lose the main protagonist, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate that. That has certainly hurt my feelings in Persona multiple times. But you know what doesn't hurt my feelings? At Atelier Mochaccino. Wait, 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 wait. No, I, I don't mean to, to cut you off, and that was a great segue, but I thought in Persona 4 the main character could die. No. No? Persona 3 and 4. You're, I, he, have, I have lost. You, I think he can die in regular, but not in very hard. Okay, because really? I, thought, I thought it was Persona 3. that, that That's the reason I stopped with Persona 3. I got like two-thirds of the way through that game, and I had one regular random battle where I just got nailed. Yeah, that's happened to me every other hour when I'm playing Persona 4. <laughs> yeah, that that didn't happen to me at all uh, playing Persona 4, I don't think. but It, it might be a regular. difficulty thing. I mean, I, I don't mind that. Like, It's frustrating when it happens, especially if you, you lose progress, which has happened to me. But it's something I'm willing to accept just because of how much I really enjoy the level of challenge in these games. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an accessibility thing. I, it's frustrating when you're like, Hey, I ran into the dungeon. Oh, I got hit by Mudo. I'm dead. And they don't do that in Digital Devil Saga, which is like, thank God. Like that yeah, that took a okay. lot of the pain off that game. Yeah, it does. It does until later when they can just insta kill you with other attacks. Oh, goody. Uh, I mean, it, 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 only in like the final dungeon. But the okay. final dungeon, the final dungeon in two is literally like, it's like a bazillion floors of incredibly hard fights, and then you get to the end, and then there's two rooms where there are two super bosses, and then there's the front door, which leads you to the final boss. So, I think you're going to scare him away. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want him to be prepared for the emotional battle that is, well, it's a cool yeah, dungeon. The, the final battle of... of they, they're both cool. Yeah, that's the, true. The, well, like, the story in Digital Devil Saga is incredible, like, from both games, especially number two. But the final boss of two, oh man! Yeah, and like, that's, the song gives wanna, me wanna, the chills. I want to save it. I want to save it. If if we yeah. get a good response, I want to do a uh, a full retro podcast. Maybe we can do some other Shin Megami Tensei stuff. Maybe, maybe we can do some other games involving uh, people of Russian Shadows and Japanese descent and hearts, perhaps. Yeah, well, you know that take place in Europe in nineteen. 19- see, here's oh, you mean Kingdom Hearts. Okay, so here's the thing. Yeah, hey, I like Kingdom Hearts. I had I had both games in my hand. I had Shadow Hearts in my left hand, and I had Digital Devil Saga in my right hand. That's and, like uh, that's like the, you're on the the crossroads on the highway, and one road leads to Disneyland, and the other road leads to Universal Studios. You win either way. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think I was going to be in too much pain. The reason I went with Digital Devil Saga though was because I, I know that that game is of reasonable length, like twenty five to thirty five hours, and with Bioshock Infinite coming out in <laughs> what thirteen days. I know that if I don't have that game complete before Bioshock Infinite comes out, I'm in trouble. 
Okay, I think Bioshock Infinite is the Diablo 3 of this year, where, like, all you can do is mention that every podcast. <laughs> I think it might actually be, and, and I would just like to point out that I did not mention the unspeakable game on this podcast. That was uh, that was all Derek. That was not, no, there's, not me. Well, no, there's the other, even more unspeakable yes, game can't that touch. you, some, you somehow can't. haven't mentioned. I don't want to talk about it! <laughs> well, I can't talk about it until they show a trailer for the sequel, and then I will be really excited. But no, there, there is kind of like, I, I remember when I was a kid, there was always one big game every year. So, like, 97 was Final Fantasy 7 uh, and there was like Final Fantasy 8 Metal Gear there was always that one really big game every year that I was super interested in this year is definitely uh, Bioshock Infinite because I, I think with a lot of the new consoles we don't even know what games we're getting right now yeah it's true uh, I'm looking forward to Shin Megami Tensei 4 but is that game no, wait, 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 wait. to get to get to Shin Megami Tensei 4 is that going to be another you talk to demons about ice cream and you recruit them it's like Nocturne. Ah, go back to Digital Devil. I wanted them no, to go back to that system. No, Let it's... them cycle. They'll do a Shin Megami, then they'll do another something else, then they'll do Persona 5, and everyone will be happy. Oh, they, okay. All right. As long as I get a Persona 5. Okay. Talk about Atelier Shaniqua. Atelier. I, I can't say any of the things I've been saying. <laughs> Not on the Atelier, podcast. Uh, just for the listeners to know, on the internal RPG fan boards, we started with Atelier Aisha, and it's now transformed into Atelier Hazelnut Mochiato Chino. I don't even know how it got there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just every time it's my goal. Every time I write about it, I have to use a different name for it. So, uh, I don't know it bec- who names their like. I'm sorry, but who names their like skinny little blonde white girl Aisha? Well, no, that's kind of like, I think, you know, I think they're going for the same thing they went with Final Fantasy VI, where Terra was called Tina, because that's kind of an exotic-sounding name in Japanese. I think Aisha is an exotic-sounding name in Japanese. It's just, we got Terra. Yeah, well, we, we you can get... go ahead and come up with a logical explanation that makes me look like a raging racist. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I don't. what do you want me to say? I've been playing Atelier Aisha, and so it's a fun I... game, and I like it. So, I played... Atelier Iris, which I actually liked way back in the day. And it had that whole alchemy system going on, and it had pretty rad Iris, music, actually, if Iris I recall. Cool. Yep. So what is this one like? Is it is it similar to Iris, which is so like we've six had, games ago? We've had a lot of Atelier games since then. We've had <laughs> Atelier Iris 1, 2, 3. We've had Monokamia 1, 2. And then Atelier Rorona, Totori, Meruru, and now Aisha. It's the, in the game they pronounce it like Aisha, like or a, yeah, it's like Aisha, like A I S H A kind of Aisha. Like so, Tanya from Eureka Seven is Eureka. Yeah, sure. I've never seen that show, so that's fine. You can say that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being such a jerk. Um, so Atelier Aisha is on me right now. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, a lot more focused on the alchemy side of things than uh, say like Iris One. Or well, the whole Iris series in general, the the Arlen trilogy, and then this one has been a lot more focused on the actual item creation, um, but it's less so than say Rorona. Um, I personally don't like Rorona. I thought it was really bland, and like the battle system is completely one dimensional in that game because all you have is HP, and even your special attacks come from your HP, like including heals. So you spend HP to heal HP. <laughs> I hated it. And it's also, kinda, it's also like super, super low budget. Um, 
and it had kind of annoying music too, like a really crappy battle theme and annoying workshop music. But anyway, so like Totori was a huge improvement over that, and I love Totori. Um, and then Meru was also an improvement. I felt like it, it's kind of it's debatable whether Totori or Meru is better. They're really close. Um, Totori has like the adventuring system where you go on adventures and you get like points that you can put into your uh, character development. And then Meru had like the town building or kingdom building system, so that was cool. I like that because uh, as you went around the kingdom and you built stuff, then you would actually see it on the map and in the the areas. Like you built up an old castle and it would get bigger and you'd actually see like a castle there. And so Aisha's thing is, A, it's set in a whole new world. It's got a completely new cast of characters, which I find refreshing because I was getting It's a fantastic point of view. Yeah, the last trilogy had the same characters coming back. Like, they all had a new cast for the uh, playable members for the most part, but there would be recurring people too, as well as, like, all the sub-characters, like the shopkeepers and stuff were all the same, and I got really sick of it because it was like, I'm glad I'm playing the third game in a row with the same shopkeeper, and they make the same jokes, and it's not funny. Um, So this one's got a brand-new cast. I actually think it's got a really good cast, and I like everybody. I usually have that problem when I'm playing RPGs where, like, uh, I don't rather I'm sorry I don't have that problem when I'm playing RPGs like there will be a couple people in the cast who I just think suck like why would I want to use I'm sorry Steven why would I want to use Cielo when I could use Gale and why not Argy- use Gale no Argilla I have to use Argilla no yeah yeah but Atelier Aisha has a really good cast and I, I like everybody um the voice work is kind of so-so, but anyway, it's got a fun cast. Um, it's got an improved battle system, which is cool. Uh, it's turn-based, it's, right? Yeah, it's it's still really similar to like Totori Meru, so you actually have MP now. But uh, there's a new thing, like a positioning kind of thing, where you can get behind enemies um, and do back attacks for extra damage or added effects. And the the hook for this, or rather like the um, advancement system in this is like Aisha is trying to go around and find... Her sister disappeared. So this ties into the story, actually, which is cool. Her sister disappeared a few years ago, and she's presumed dead. So she lives, like, all by herself um, in this little workshop. And, okay, I'm I'm jumping around a lot, but I have to say this. On the back of the box for the game, it says, like, the story explanation is on the back of the box. And the last sentence is, and now Aisha lives with her pet cow and her solitude. (laughs) I can't take that seriously. But anyway, so she lives all by herself. So she like goes to these ruins because she's an apothecary and she makes medicine and she sees like a like a vision of her sister, basically, who she thought was dead. She was like going to put something at her sister's grave. So it's kind of morbid. Um, and so she sees a vision of her sister. And then this guy basically tells her that she can if she learns alchemy, she can find her sister. So. The whole thing is like you're going around and you're trying to find these different flowers because your sister appeared in this field of flowers that are glowing. So you're trying to learn alchemy and learn about these flowers. And as you go through the game and you see different events, you get like little memory journal. They're like diary entries, basically. And you get these memory points that you can spend on them. So you go into your workshop and there's like a a diary that you open up and you see something and it says like, you know, October 10th met with Keith or whatever. And you can choose to spend memory points to like make a journal entry out of it, and then it'll give you bonuses. Like if you choose to make that, because Keith is an alchemist, say like you make that journal entry, and you're suddenly like you get more experience for doing alchemy. Oh, that's kind of cool. 
yeah so i mean that's that's not an actual example but it's it's stuff like that so it's kind of cool because it ties the story into the gameplay which i always enjoy because it sucks when it's completely disjointed so um yeah i think it's it's really hard for me to say because i reviewed i really enjoyed totori and meru and i reviewed them highly and i'm about to review this and it's tough for me to say if it's better necessarily it's just different but i think it's a nice change of pace and i think it's a really nice kind of relaxing game because it's not all like super ridiculous flashy explosion boom crazy guns it's just like a good chill game um it's got a very anime sense of humor and aesthetic and uh-huh. the, the, right like uh, like aisha i'm annoyed that aisha was cast really ditzy because and she has no backbone which i'm sure i'll mention in the review but people are like hey shut up and she's like kia i i'm so sorry and it's like really would you just like Punch tell the guy in the face back? like is, just is she, is she worse than Shion? Uh, well Shion wasn't that bad after episode 1 well i mean she wasn't that good but she was not it, she wasn't she, as bad as episode 1 she's like she's okay she's still likable it's just you have moments where you're like like stop being such a a baby like grow a spine and say something like you're you're trying to find out about your dead sister and People are, like, being jerks to you. Like, this guy's like, well, I'm not going to... Like, I know what to do to help you get your sister, but I'm not going to tell you. And she should be like, no, you need to tell me. But instead, she's like, Kia, I, I, I'm i sorry I upset you. I just don't I just don't know if I could take that kind of rejection. I don't, I don't I think... I don't know if I could take that kind of rejection. Uh, Dad, come on. <laughs> Dad, Dad, Daddy-o. Dad, Dad... I think uh, it's no. a really, I think it's a fun game. I think it's targeted at a niche audience, but I think that for what it's trying to do, much like Etrian Odyssey, it does very well. And it's a nice, it's a nice compliment since I'm playing Etrian Odyssey and Aisha. I play one that kicks my butt, and then I play one that I can just kind of chill out with. So, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so we got a cool little uh, podcast email from a listener. This was from uh, Ben Kousey. Oh, hope. hey, I wrote back to him last night. Finally, he gave yeah. me a so question. I, I was all for answering this on the podcast, guys, and then John and Steven just take upon themselves to just write these long, rambling responses. I can read my response if you like. Uh, well, don't re- paraphrase. Um, so first off, uh, Ben, thank you very much for sending us a letter. See, we like questions. We're going to answer some right now. So the first thing, and I, I swear to God, this is the first question he had for me. So I please, please swear don't. to me. So, so don't get mad. Uh, for Rob, Witcher 3 or Dark Souls 2? Um, yeah. <laughs> Do I really need to answer that? Uh, Dark Souls 2. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because Witcher 3... I'm really excited to see what they do with Witcher 3, but I think that's a bigger unknown right now. Like, I don't know all the things that they're going to do. I have faith in CD Projekt. I think it'll be really cool. Um, but I do think that Dark Souls 2, I know exactly what we're going to get. So I am I feel like Dark Souls 2 is the safer bet, but I think Witcher 3 might end up doing something really cool. But I'm... As soon as there is a, a gameplay demo for Dark Souls 2, I am. Yep. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna buy both. Well, yeah, I plan on buying both. For God's sake. But Dark Souls. You know. Yep, yep. Yep. And and see, this time we were allowed to bring it up because somebody asked us. Exactly. It. That's how we were able to work it. Okay. Yeah, you you tell yourself that. Go ahead. I really All right, like that game. Stephen, give your long rambling answer. <laughs> Just like you, you, you sound so disdainful when you say that. He he asked the question. Okay. So 
So first of all, Ben wrote an email to us, uh, and the subject line was questions, which reminded me of Roy Batty from Blade Runner. But the first time we we did this scene, everybody which went into silence and didn't get my Blade Runner reference, so whatever. But that's fine. Uh, so Ben asked me if there was a game that I really, really liked but didn't like the music or hated the music and wanted to redo it to. And I think because most of the games I love, I love at least in part because of the music. There's no game where I'm like, ugh, the music is terrible. But Tales of the Abyss is like one of my favorite games, and I don't hate the music, but other than Meaning of Birth, which is like a late-game boss battle theme, and the intro song, which isn't even by the composer, it's by a Japanese band called uh, Bump of Chicken, it's it's kind of like inoffensive and bland, and I don't really remember it any, any of it that well. Like, if I heard it, I'm like, oh yeah, the battle theme, the battle theme, but it's it's kind of like Sakuraba jamming out in the guitar. It's, it's, you know, it's Tales music. So I would love to have like a more unique... Uh, soundtrack for that so yes you got it I, I i we emailed you but we also answered your question on the podcast yep uh and then he also asked uh what keeps uh what helps john to keep what helps john to deal with me and the answer is scotch um and then he asked a really in-depth question that john gave a huge answer so i don't want to like cut into his answer but so ben asked if big budget rpgs start making a comeback for the new console generation do you think their length will be reduced more time devoted to graphics for example and does that concern you and I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to steal John's answer too much, but John brought up the point that a lot of times you can add content to RPGs just by palette swapping enemies and then lengthening dungeons. So I, I think it's actually pretty easy to just lengthen an RPG. I don't think that that'll be a problem. I'm finding, though, and again, I'm, I'm kind of stealing John's answer, but I feel the same way. Actually, I said the same thing, too. So this, yeah, I think this probably applies for all of us. I really like the 25 to 30-hour RPG way more than the 60 to 70-hour RPG, uh, especially if that RPG starts repeating environments or palette-swapping enemies. I think that's one reason I liked Dragon Quest Eight so much was because I thought they did a really good job of putting new enemies into the game and making the dungeons really cool. I mean, you beat that, you think you beat that game, and it turns out that you still have like an entire third to go. Um, and I think that game did it very well, but I'm I'm not really interested in playing an 80-hour RPG where I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I would much rather play like the 20-hour Mass Effect game that gives me cool combat scenarios and cool situations, doesn't really repeat itself or overstay its welcome that much, and then be done. I thought Witcher 2 had a great length. Like I beat that the first time, I think, at like 23, 24 hours. And I thought that that was like perfect because I, I was like the combat system had reached its pinnacle. The story had reached a good conclusion area. You could argue that maybe it needed to go a little bit further, but whatever. But like that to me is a better game. And it always goes back to how much free time do you have. And I think as people get older, you have less and less free time to play these games and the idea of playing something that repeats for so long could really hurt you. I think persona does a great job of feeling like a season of an anime. And just, I, I was going to say, I, I, not to cut you off, but yeah. I, 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 I agree with you too. Although I think I'm willing to make exceptions depending on the game. Like I, I wrote in my email, I said, you know, I, I've become a lot less tolerant of games that say, Hey, go get this stick for me. Okay. You got the stick. That's great. Now bring it back to me. Okay, now run across the world and tell my brother that you did that. Okay, thank you. Here's a one-time use consumable that heals 10 HP. Yep. Like I, I don't have the patience for that, you know, that just that that fetch questy crap. And that's 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 Nino Kuni's for... side quest uh, in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that, Derek. And I think that's I think that's really like a lot of us that 
RPG fan have kind of been talking about that. I think Nino Kuni spurred that, where Kyle said the same thing. And I, I think, again, to go back to my favorite example lately, Persona 4, there is nothing like that in Persona 4. Like, you'll get a crappy consumable, but that game is so rigidly structured that you're never doing something that's meaningless. You know, anything you do will somehow tie into what you're actually doing, and it's rewarding. And you get story for that, and, you know, it's... I'd rather play the 25-hour RPG that has no fetch quest and no nonsense or the fit, you know, the rare game that can pull it off for a longer period of time. Yep, I would agree. I would Except agree. Borderlands 2, which has nothing but fetch quest, but I love it in multiplayer so much with my friends. So, mm-hmm. Derek, anything to add to that? Not really. I think we pretty much beat it to the ground. Yeah, we, we stomped on it. Nailed it. We got news. We got news. <laughs> Nintendo sued. That actually just happened tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday night, and Nintendo kind of lost a patent lawsuit on their glasses, their glasses-free 3D technology for the 3DS. I guess you could say that they ran the commercial. Wow, check out those graphics! I'd like to get my hands on that screen, and then they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sorry. So, yep. Sorry, Derek showed me that Nintendo commercial recently, and that just tickled me to death. I'd like to get my hands on that game. Yeah, I have to wonder if this uh, lawsuit. I, I mean, they're, are they going to appeal it or? I'm guessing. To... It sounds like they're going to appeal it. Yeah, uh, it's, I, it I says it's be. it's like thirty point two million dollars in damages. I don't know Yeesh. how much that would really hurt them, though. I don't know if they That's... want to take a third. It's I yeah. Think it's well, they can just give me that thirty million dollars then. Sure, <laughs> I, I'll I, take that. Well, they say the the jury's verdict will not impact Nintendo's continued sales in the United States of its highly acclaimed line of video game hardware, software, and accessories, blah, 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 blah. But I don't understand how you can sell something when it's been proved to be an infringement of patents, you know? Well, they had the same thing with uh, Ralph Bear always came forward with that stuff when it came to video game technology because he's the guy that created the first video game technology. So I wrote a paper on him. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt him too much. I, I, I think if Samsung losing patent deals to Apple doesn't hurt their sales, I don't think this is going to stop Nintendo. No, 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 no. Okay, keep going. All right, we got some games to talk about. Uh, they just announced Devil Survivor 2 Code Break for 3DS. Woo! I seem to remember them specifically saying that they were not going to do a 3DS remake of Devil Survivor 2, but here it is anyway, which is fine because <laughs> Devil Survivor 2 is awesome. And I got through most of that game and I didn't beat it, so I'm excited to play it. It comes out March 28th. I'm sorry, it was going to be announced officially on the March 28th issue of Famitsu Magazine. It's supposed to come out this summer in Japan. Hopefully we do get that here in North America because it's going to have new characters and stuff. How many Devil Survivor games do we have? We have There's just two, two main games, but they're, they're remade. They were remade on 3DS? Right. The first one was, and now they're remaking the second one, okay. which is good because okay. I didn't touch the second one at all because I was too busy playing the remake of the first one. Yeah, and there is which... an anime of that that's about to start airing in April, so that's kind of a cool tie-in. Yeah, Atlas has been doing that a lot, like with the Shin Megami stuff. Like they released Persona 4 Golden and then ran the anime for that, and I, I really, yeah, I really like that whole cross synergy. Synergy, yeah, media, multimedia synergy, but yeah. only with stuff that I like. Yeah, it's it's great. Want, it's like like that. Go ahead. I was going to say it's like that awesome Dead Space anime. I'm sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. Actually, one of the Dead Space shows was movies was awesome. The one part in the second movie was good, but then the rest are terrible. But yes, Atlas, good job, Atlas. I'm going to buy this and play it. I am too. Yeah, I'm a, I'll buy it again. 
Why not? Sheep. I make it a point to buy. No, I don't. Sheep. I make it a point to buy anything that makes because they're awesome. Yeah, I I pretty much do too, unless it's Game of Thrones or uh, Sherlock Holmes. Actually, the Sherlock Holmes games are pretty fun too. I think I'm gonna end up buying uh, the uh, the Game of Thrones game is on Steam sale right now for ten bucks, and I, I almost have a morbid curiosity to try it, just to see. Like I, I've heard it's janky as all hell. I remember John being kind of negative on it, but you know, I'm, uh, no, he was. He, I don't think he was negative on it. He said, you know, if you like Game of Thrones and you can tolerate Dragon Age combat, go to it. Tolerate it. Might have to do that. All right, keep going. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to spoil the fun. That's right. There's a Kickstarter going on for Torment Tides of Numenera, mm-hmm. and it has a ridiculous amount of money already. Uh, let me mm-hmm. pull it like their, their initial funding goal was $900,000. They have $2.5 and, and they have 22 days to go. Yeah, they're... So do you think people want a sequel to Planescape Torment? I don't know. But that's... Now, now before the show, but I, I wanna, I'm going to cut Rob off here. All right. Rob is like, oh, no. They're capitalizing on Planescape, but it has nothing to do with it. And I disagree because it's the majority of the creative people responsible. They can't get the rights to the Planescape license. And Planescape wasn't awesome because it was based in the Planescape universe. It was awesome because of the dialogue, the character development, and all the original material they created for it. And now they have an interesting new world to work from. So everybody's going to get something new as opposed to a retread. So it's accessible to everybody. And you have incredible art design based on what I've seen so far. You have the same musician, Mark Morgan. You have the same writer. You have Brian Fargo involved. And How's they've that already... Kool-Aid, Stephen? And they've already shown that they can do it with Wasteland. Wasteland looks solid, so... Now, now here's my, now here's my point. I, I think the Kickstarter thing is the type of thing that could go away very, very f- fast if people aren't careful with it. And... I saw the Wasteland 2 video. I think it looks pretty cool. I'm definitely interested. Probably going to pick it up. I'm excited. But I think starting another Kickstarter when you still haven't gotten the first game out. Keep and in out, mind, though. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, studios start on their next game when they're in the middle of finishing up their first game. I get that that's going on. But I have two issues with this. One, we still haven't seen a product from these guys on their first Kickstarter. So I'd be much happier to contribute to them after I see their first product. And two, I do disagree with you a little bit. I think calling this project Torment is basically kicking up a lot of dirt and kind of taking advantage of some people who are like, oh, that's what I want. I want a new Planescape Torment. And yeah, if they got a lot of the guys working on it and they're going to keep some of the same ideals, cool. But you got to admit, whoever marketed this was a genius. And I, I really disagree. It's not like they're saying, hey, we're making an unrelated game. They're making a game that is exactly the same style as Torment. Or as Planescape Torment. Okay, I, I want to... And excuse me. Also, uh, in regards to what you said about um, them starting another game, they actually addressed that on their Kickstarter. They said, "This is the timeline we have for Wasteland. This is why we're starting this Kickstarter now. This is, you know, this is the timeline for Wasteland. This is the timeline, you know, polish, prototyping, vertical slice, whatever for each game." So they're very transparent. They're not. I just, I, I I can see where you're. Ah. (laughs) I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying with that. But I think they've addressed that. And I, I think, I mean, the fact that this people are throwing this much money at it is proof that people who played the original Planescape are more than happy to buy into this. I mean, I donated 45 to it so I get Wasteland uh, and Planescape. 
But I mean, if you look at what they've got, it's not like they're just creating some half-assed product that and slapping the Planescape or the Torment name on it. It would be called Planescape Torment 2 if they could get the rights to Planescape Torment without spending a stupid amount of money and if Atari wasn't, you know, deadlocked on the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Although I think it might be I don't I don't know how those are those two are related, but I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm still let's see what they do. I just that perked my ears a little bit and I don't like hearing about that kind of stuff when I still haven't played a game from you guys to begin with. So let's see what they do here a little bit. I just yeah. I don't blame you for being cautious. Yeah, I, I can appreciate I, I can appreciate where you guys are coming from. Like <laughs> take without a drink. Them, that's close enough, take a drink. Without them having released anything yet, I can see, you know, all right, you're you're taking a gamble. But I think I mean, based on what we've already seen from Wasteland, you know when Wasteland's coming out. They said this is when Wasteland will be out. This is when Torment will be out. You know, it's not like, you know, they're, again, the transparency is there, so I don't feel like they're taking advantage of anybody. All right. More news. At least it's right. not like the Lord Garriott or the Richard Garriott Kickstarter where he's like, yeah, if you donate $10, I forgive you for pirating my old games. <laughs> wow. The dude who has been to outer space and lives in a castle. So, sorry. Really feel bad for him. It's okay. I've got two more news stories. Uh, Project Happiness has been re-revealed as hometown story. If you're not familiar with this, it is sort of a uh, it's it's a spin-offy sort of thing. Not really of Harvest Moon. It was made by the quote-unquote father of Harvest Moon, uh, Yasuhiro Wada, and it's going to be a 3DS as well as mobile platform game where you it's like a life management kind of thing. Um, Maybe like Harvest Moon, cross with Presseteer, cross with Animal Crossing. Cross, 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 cross. Animal Crossing. Yeah. And so they are going to be showing it at E3, and it's going to be a game. I have to say that it looks really low budget. I watched the trailer of it, and I was kind of taken aback, because I love me some Animal Crossing, and I've fallen a bit out of favor with Harvest Moon, or rather, Harvest Moon has fallen a bit of, out of favor with me lately. But I love Reseteer and I love Animal Crossing, so I'm kind of disappointed. It looks like it looks kind of bad, but we're supposed to be impartial, so it looks like it's going to be a game, and that'll be out uh, probably this year. So, and the final piece of news is perhaps the most surprising. We had an announcement for Drakengard Three. Yeah. What? Of all That's things, the reaction of everyone in the universe. Yeah, that's crazy. So I, re- I remember being so excited for Drakengard One, and then I played it, and I was like, "What?" Same. Same. But but even though the gameplay is kind of busted in that series, and to a lesser extent, near they all have crazy cool stories, and near in particular had an amazing story and a righteously awesome soundtrack. I need to like, play near, man. I bought out it of control. And... Good. Oh my god, Steven. that soundtrack is like. Yeah, it's one of the best soundtracks ever. It's also um, from RPG Fan Music. It is the most clicked on and most sold album through our review. So people clearly love the near music. So it's yeah, good that they brought amazing. back Keiji Okabe. So the so the game is going to be coming out. It is. Uh, we didn't have a lot of information at first, but it is going to be a PS3 game, and it's got some of the uh, original developers working on it. It's got Taro Yoko, who did Dragon Garden Near, working on the scenario and directing. So that was a big concern people had. Um, Takamasa Shiba is the producer who did Drakengard as well. 
and uh, Kimihiko Fujisaka is the character designer, while Keiichi, I'm sorry, Keiichi Okabe is composing the score, and that's the same person that did Nier. So there's a lot to be excited about. And the main character has a flower growing out of her eye. You know, yep. I, I, I was going to raise an eyebrow, and then I'm like, no, wasn't this the series that had incest? I, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like barely touching the surface. Yeah, I, I, I it just... It had a crazy elven woman that wanted to eat children. I think that was the first game where I started to distrust... Get ready to take a drink. I started to distrust uh, Square Enix a little bit, because I got so excited for Drakengard, and then I played it, and I was just like... This is like really bad Dynasty Warriors from the PlayStation 2 launch. I but the idea is really cool. I mean, flying around on a freaking dragon and roasting people. I mean, yeah, I'm I truthfully until we see anything, my expectations for the gameplay are pretty low, but I am really excited about the story and music because I don't think Near was a blast to play, but Near I mean the game, you know, like the actual gameplay like in near is not great. Yeah, but it's there's like, so it's much. Like yeah, there's so much around it that makes it worth playing. So, if this is anything like that, then I think it'll be worth playing for sure. So, that's it's a cool and really unexpected announcement. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, hats off to them. They they surprised me, and let's see where it turns up. Uh, I, I'm kind of with Derek though, keeping my expectations kind of slightly above the floor. Yeah. At the very least, uh, Monaka and Keiji Okabe will be making awesome music for it, hopefully. So Yeah. What I said. They get Emmy Evans back, we be aight. Yep, we be aight. And that is it for news today, sir. All right, all right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. As always, be sure to su- subscribe to us on the RSS feed, although apparently Google Reader is going away. That's what? weird. Yeah, apparently they're turning off Google Reader. But I use that all the time. Yeah. Not really sure what's going on there. Um, so... Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us reviews. Uh, ben, thanks again for the awesome... Uh, Steven, it's going to be okay. Uh, thanks again for the awesome letter. Uh, we definitely want to look for more of that. Ask us thought-provoking questions. Uh, get our noodles working a little bit. And we can definitely come up with some stuff. So, uh, for Steven, for Derek, for the sick man, John, uh, hopefully he'll be ready to talk about... Derek? What? He'll, he'll be ready to talk about... What's that game? Oh, oh. Mm. Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice. I'm sorry, I was talking about something really inappropriate. In yeah, that's why I tried to go away from that as fast. Oh, God, I just read it. Okay. Uh, well, no, I, just, I didn't know that. I, I'm sorry, dude. It'll be okay. It's about uh, Kaine. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks again, guys, for listening to the show, and we will see you all later. See ya. See ya. Vice, you dumbass! I'm keeping that. (laughs) You can keep that.